Well, good morning, friends. My name is Austin. I am one of the pastors here. And this morning, um, yes, we talked about baptism, but we're also starting a new series uh, called My Big Fat Mouth. It's uh, more of a cathartic uh, series for us as pastors. We get to, like, confess in front of all of you, and then you get to, like, accept us and love us uh, for our failures. No, you will hear stories, um, but we really... Um, one of the things that we want to talk about um, a lot is, and we've been saying this together, some some sayings that you grew up with that actually weren't really helpful at all and actually set us up for failures. And so I want uh, you to participate if you know. Um, last week there was only one person and it was like somebody uh, uh, under 18 uh, that knew this phrase, but I hope you all know it. Um, maybe the younger ones will. So it go like this. And so finish the phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones. All right, all right, all right. Good job. I'm so proud of y'all. Better this week. All right, you're on your A game. Okay, let's do another one. Um, I'm rubber, you're glue. Yeah, oh, let's... <laughs> Young people, man, y'all didn't... Y'all just... No, no, it's terrible. So the two phrases, right? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you, right? And uh, the other one, when somebody's making fun of you, like you go to me like, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Like uh, kind of that phrase of like, hey, don't let words like hurt you. Like let them slide off. Let the person that's saying like own those and understand, you know, kind of a more of a clinical thing. Like let the person process. Why are they feeling that way? To use the words in which they are using, right? Right? Like, don't take them too big. But, like, the reality is if those schoolyard sayings are what we grew up, what I grew up with, they actually did a terrible terrible job entering into, like, my teen years, my 20s and 30s, because the fact is that when words are used, like, they hurt, uh, but they also bring life. So one of the things that we want to talk about all morning as we start this series off is this one big idea, is that our words have two results, according to scriptures, life or death. And so the question is this morning, like, which ones are your words bringing? Is your words bringing life or are they bringing death to those around you? So I want you to turn in your Bibles. We're going to be in James chapter 3, uh, kind of an iconic uh, part about um, uh, the tongue and about our, our words. And so we're going to be in uh, James chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles in front of you, I'd encourage you to um, open them up, whether that's physical or digital. We'd like to be in the Word because it is alive and well this, today. Uh, but Or you can follow on the screen. So we're going to start in uh, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take, a sh- take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body and it makes great boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it sets, and it set, in itself sets on fire by hell. All kind of animal, birds, and reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human No human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the shame, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can a, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we come and maybe um, we're a little sensitive this morning to maybe words that we have woken up on text messages or emails. Uh, or maybe it's something that somebody said already when you're coming in. Maybe we feel um, at ease in this space or we feel unease. God, whatever uh, we're at, I pray that we come to you who is the word of life, the word of truth. God, may your voice be the predominant voice that we listen to. May we hear that truth and dispel all lies as we learn to follow you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey friends, this morning I want to say that I believe that words are really important. I think right now more than anything that we as Christians should be known for our words. I think if we are known for our words in the ways that are positive, I think we can bring a clear delineation by the God that we serve. That our God is one who bears life and gives life and is not one that wants to take it away from you. But the reality is, if we're honest, that's not so true today. I don't think that maybe there's a huge distinction if you would pull the, the wider world and the community to say, hey, is there a difference in the way that the Christians that you know talk versus the rest of the world? I don't know. I don't know what the thing would be, maybe 60-40, maybe 50-50. I would hope it'd be more that would be like, yes, they breathe life. But I think right now, more than anything else, I think our words are not distinctive into the way of Jesus. Because when I look at Jesus and the way he spoke to strangers, the way he spoke to his disciples, the way he spoke to Pharisees, the way he spoke to the crowd was different. And I think his words bear such weight that you found that thousands and thousands of people would follow him from town to town just to hear what he has to say. I don't think we have the same pool. And that's why I'm saying this morning that words are important. And, and I mean, even as a, as a tester, how many of you right now can remember the last thing that was said to you that broke you? Like you can think of right now, the exact words or phrases that broke you. Maybe it was this morning. How many of you right now can remember the last time somebody spoke life into you? That is so evident, like you remember it so clearly as day. The, the, I mean, my hope is that you would hear and know those life words, but my guess is, is that we often will remember the words that break us than make us whole. The words that are a gut punch, that take the breath out of us, than the breath of the encouraging words that give us life. And this is why, like, this is why James says, it should not be this way. Can you hear me this morning? If anything that you hear is that should not be this way, where the body of Christ, disciples after Jesus, the one who gave his very life and breath so that we might have life, would give it up so that his disciples could be people who bear death from their words. It shouldn't be this way. And so this morning we're talking about, like, the wrong words at the wrong time can bring death. And death in that multiple sense of not, like, immediate death. I think there are some words that when people say them, it's like, it's over, right? Maybe you've been in a relationship or you've had a friendship that is like, man, they said this one thing and that one phrase is over. 
Right now, it's done. I'm cutting, I'm severing all ties. But I think there's also another one that we often experience day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, that's a slow death. And it stings, it's like a paper cut in between the web of your fingers, right? It hurts. You feel it all the time. It's not going to kill you, but it's there. And it takes a while to heal because you keep reopening that wound all the time. (laughs) I'm going to be a little cathartic this morning. Um, This happened a couple um, couple of uh, weeks ago, about a month ago, um, that was brought up to me is the words that I said uh, to one of our associate pastors. Um, He said... You made a comment a couple weeks in front of our interns that kind of really um, kind of threw me and I've had to deal with for uh, a couple weeks. And I said, well, what was that phrase? He goes, you said something along the lines of that, you know, um, well, I'll give you the full context. I had just hurt myself. Yes, I'd hurt myself. It happens often. Um, but I'd hurt myself and I cut my wrist and all of a sudden, like, I had, like, heard it, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, one of the interns was, first said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And then began to, like, jump into, like, the sarcastic, funny comments, and I was like, I know, I'm a klutz, but it hurt. And I was like, and in my response to what I know is joking is my response to words that did not bring life, they brought death. And I was like, man, what kind of discipleship is your pastor leading into you if these are the words, things you say to lead pastor? Like, and I said it in jest. But right there in front of an intern, in front of the pastor, our associate pastor, I said these words in a way to, that I wasn't rubber. I was actually glue, and those things were sticking hard. And so in my own defense, how many of us just say things that get us in trouble, our big fat mouths that get us in trouble? And sometimes we don't even know it. Like, and right in that moment, that our pastor didn't say like, hey, that's unkind. That's not fair. Like, what do we all do? He ate it. He sat with it. It lingered and lingered and lingered until we got to a place where it was said, like, hey, you said the wrong thing at the wrong time, and it hurt. And the worst thing about that is that if we're committed to that relationship, we have to then come to them and say, I'm sorry. That wasn't right. Even if I felt offended by what was being said, I need to own my stuff and say, I'm sorry. And so often we do that, but we don't do that last part. We don't come in and say, I'm sorry. We give excuses of which why we were justified in the way that the words that came out um, should be accepted. Instead of being like disciples of Jesus and asking forgiveness. So we had the wrong words at the wrong time, which lead to death. But I honestly think, like, as much as I don't want to think about the, the wrong thing, I think the right words at the right time. Bring a life that you have no idea the implications, the ripples that plays in somebody's life, right? When I was uh, 16, I had just come back from Chick, which is now called Unite, and I had um, just been, really had a powerful experience with God and the Holy Spirit, and I came back and we had had a youth Sunday, right? Happens in summer, summer sometimes, and my pastor said, hey, Austin, why don't you give a word uh, based off of your experience that you had in Unite? And so I preached, I will tell you right now, you can't find it. There's probably a bunch of heresy in it from a 16-year-old boy, but it was the honest gift that I had given to our church. But in that moment, and I don't even remember what I was preaching about, uh, I preached the word, and then like seven days later, I got a letter in the mail. The letter was from a congregant, uh, somebody that I didn't know very well, but um, had kind of watched our life on the outside. She wrote me a letter, and that letter said, Austin, I believe that God has a call on your life. 
I believe clearly that the Holy Spirit is doing something in you um, that now makes your life not your own. And she even wrote, she's like, I think you know the same thing, but maybe you need somebody to tell you it. I believe God is calling you into the ministry. And I was like, 16, I was like, nah, 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 I don't want to do that. But something set in me. And that moment and that letter changed the trajectory of my life. That I no longer wanted to go uh, to the same college that my parents went to, that my brother went to. I wanted to go to North Park. I wanted to pursue seminary. I wanted to pursue ministry. And that one, that letter was the right words at the right time and brought life and changed the trajectory of every moment of my life ever since there. Your right words at the right time can bring life and change trajectories that you have no idea. Not because they are your words, but because she said it in her letter. that The Holy Spirit has prompted me to write this to you so that your life will be changed. Friends, unsaid words are sometimes as debilitating as the words you say that you kill people with. Because think about the right words at the right time unsaid. That somebody's soul that's very thirsty, that needs a drink of water, that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to say and you hold it. It is like holding a drink of water to a thirsty soul that is about to perish. And you have the very words to bring life into them. And you just say, I'm not going to. A, because I'm too tired. A, B, because there's not enough time. C, because like I don't know how they would receive it. Proverbs says, Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Friends, unsaid words are just as harmful as the wrong words at the wrong time. How many of you, when you've prompted by the Holy Spirit, actually moved and wrote something, whether it's a letter or a text message or called somebody, and then all of a sudden that person comes back to you who, whose mind is prompted like, I don't know how you knew what you knew or why you're saying what you're saying, but it's the very thing that I've needed to hear. And I'm not saying that has happened on uh, like a ton of times, but in my life, I can, I can remember a handful of times, especially when somebody who 10 years ago was in, was, I was interning with them and I was like, Hey, I don't know what's going on, but you, you said this thing to my, in my life. And I just want to say thank you for the, what you did and how you taught me. And he's like, dude, I, I, I was ready to leave. I'm ready to be done with ministry because I don't believe I'm doing any good. The words that you say are not for you and for your glory, but for the kingdom of Christ. And so what are you, what are we saying? Like right now, like I want to say like, well, what do we do? What do we do with this life in terms of our words and how does that play out? Well, this is what I want to encourage you. It's not, what I'm not encouraging you to do is try to say bad things less. I'm not asking you to curse a little less. I'm not asking you to be a little less sarcastic. Right? Like, what I'm not asking you to do is just, like, try to tone it down a little bit. Because the reality, the truth is that sometimes our response to Christ is to tune it down a little bit, to be a little less sinful in order to, like, appease God. But discipleship is never about control or controlling the sin that's in your life. 
It's all about transformation, right? In this, in this, in, in the word this morning, it talks about that your inability to tame the tongue. Your inability to tame the tongue. Like there's so many things in all of creation, animals that are tamed, that are put into their control. What we're not saying this morning is that your desire is to work a little bit harder so that the words that you breathe are in control, that you are in control of them. God didn't die for you so that you could control your actions a little bit better. God didn't die for you so that you could control the amount of time that you pray so that it's actually good. So you go from one minute to two minutes, right? God didn't die so that you could control the way, the time that you read, uh, the word so that it is actually, you believe that it is gratifying to yourself. Like, mm, I'm gonna, I read an hour a day. God didn't do so that you could control the things in your life that make you look holier. But often that's a response. If I can just control my actions, if I can control my words, I'll be a little bit holier and Jesus' love will be more real in my life and I'll be deserving of it. James 3, like this verse right here, that you can't tame the tongue. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed. That means that we're tamed that are becoming under control, being in submission to the one that isn't controlling them. So to say that in another way, that, that your words need to come under submission to yourself, like that's not the way that it works. That it actually says that no one can tame, right? Everything's been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. No one can tame the tongue. Your desire to control what says as a way to please God, you're going to just make it worse. The reality is what you need to do is if you can't control your tongue, if you cannot control your tongue from today until you die, if the way that you're trying to live this life as a disciple is trying to control your life so you look a little bit holier, you're living a life of a Pharisee and not a disciple. Disciples of Jesus come who say in the same way that Jesus laid his life down for us is the way that we come and say, I'm going to lay down my words so that you can't, so that I don't try to control them, God, but you, you transform them into words that bring life. Because I can't do it. Uh, the way that I talk to my child, the way that I talk to my spouse, the way I talk to my friends, the way I talk to my, well, my coworkers, if it was up to me, I cannot control it well enough to bring life in the places of you. I never will. But God, if you can take my words and if you can transform them, like you've done all the time, transformed lives, then my words will bring life. Because now you won't be responding to your desire to say things that you think will bring life, but you'll be responding to the spirit who changes the way you think and the words you say that transform your heart and then the way that those things flow out into your words and the way that you talk to your kids, the way you talk to your coworkers, the way that you talk to one another in the body of Christ will not be words that are you're using, but will be words used by the Holy Spirit to bring life to one another. This is what it should be, friends. So maybe like for you pragmatic friends, like what do I do right now? I think the first thing you do is pray. The first thing you do is you admit like, hey, my words that I say might bring more life than death, more death than life. And God, I want to change that. But I know I can't do it on my own. 
But I also think in a pragmatic way, there are some things that you can implement in your life that puts you on a, tra- a trajectory to use your words in a way that bring life. I think writing down your gratitude daily changes the posture of your heart. Because you believe in a God who has done more for you than has let you down. I think instead of just writing on your prayer request, you write your praises. I'm thinking of one this morning of a friend in here who got a praise report that cancer in his life is no longer there. I also think this for your pragmatic friends. There's a thing that I grew up in the 90s called accountability partners. Anybody else? Anybody have one of those? Horrible. I did not like them. Like every one of these students in there, like, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody helping me. Right? Everyone's like, your parents like, hey, I'm going to help you. No. All your parents, like your, all the kids are like, no, that's not me. No, all your parents are like, yeah, that's you. Uh, but like the reality is, is that your discipleship with Jesus is yes, your discipleship of Jesus. That transformation is the beginning part of which God can change in you, rewire in you the things that are gone wrong. But the, one of the things that we know about the story and the people of God is that we have a habit of returning to our old ways. And if there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian that can do this on their own and come out on the other side just the way that Jesus, if Jesus is one way, is community of, amongst the body of Christ looking to disciple one another, edify one another, then I believe that you have a place in each other's life to disciple one another. That we are called to be people who are disciples, who are being made is deeper disciples than who make disciples. And so if that's true, then I think the people in your life, your accountability is the outflow of the transformation that God has done in your life. That as God is transforming your words, you have accountability to those around you that in order to live the same life that God has called you to. To hold you accountable is not to mean like to shame you when you do it wrong, but to encourage you into living the life that Christ has called you to live in all ways. And in today, we're talking about this morning, in your words. That we're not just saying that we are going to be, uh, hold each other accountable for showing up in worship, showing up in small groups, showing up in youth group, but we're going to in all ways live a life according to Jesus as disciples, apprentices of the way. And that's what we do. And so I don't know if your accountability partner or your, your, your mentor or your coach or whatever has access into your life. And maybe here's a pragmatic thing is you ask yourself, who has access and influence to the words that I speak? If there's no one, church, this is the reason we are the way we are. This is why the state of the church, the state of the body is the way that it is is because we believe we're above the influence and the discipleship of one another. But the way the church becomes the church is by the body edifying the body, by holding it accountable to live in the apprenticeship of Jesus and the way of Jesus so that the kingdom may grow and that the king may get the glory. So friends, my encouragement for you this morning is not only to um, 
as we have our, 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 our students come up and be baptized as a way to saying that I'm all in, what we're part of baptism is, is a discipleship process, is a commitment to continuing the discipleship process. We don't invite them to come up here to be baptized, to leave them all alone to figure this out by themselves. We come alongside, we walk alongside of one another as we walk alongside of Jesus to apprentice ourselves in the way of Christ. Our words have to be transformed. The way that we use our words this morning have to be life-changing. And for maybe some of you, like you're wondering like, hey, maybe I never got a letter or something um, like, like you got, Austin. Maybe like my life's a little bit on the, the further side. Uh, I'm closer to glory than I am to birth. And you're like, maybe like the trajectory of my life can't be changed. I would disagree. But think about the ways that you can change today for somebody. That you can change tomorrow for somebody. Maybe you can change the way that someone's life is trending by the way that you come alongside of them and breathe life into them. And I'm not saying extraordinary ways. I'm saying ordinary ways. I have a letter that my dad wrote to me. 1995, October 30th. So I was, this was just uh, probably a few weeks before I was going to turn 12. Uh, and we had a practice in our family that we would uh, take, um, my mom would take, uh, you know, our kids, or our, my sister out, my dad would take me and my brother out. We'd just have a, a, a time to talk. And then, so my dad sent this to me, uh, like, who doesn't want mail? Like, as a kid, like, that's my, my kids still go check the mailbox so they want mail. Like, how many of you want a written letter? And I want to say, like, this is just, like, just normal, and hopefully I can get through it. And this is what, ah, oh, man, dads, whew. This is Austin. I love you. And I want to, spe- I want to spend time with you soon um, on our trip to talk about life. The city will be a surprise, but the things that we will talk about will be life-changing. For you and for me, thank you for being my son. There's others like that uh, that my dad wrote. It's actually a funny thing. Um, I know I'm over my time, but uh, Kyle can talk to me later about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. I'm going out of town this week. He can't talk to me very long. Um, (laughs) There's letters that I've kept like that. Um, There's actually another letter in here that my dad wrote um, to our 1994 youth baseball team. He wrote a letter to me and to every one of our uh, kids. And... uh, there's a student, uh, there's a friend of mine, his name is David, um, and my dad wrote him a letter, and he even talked about it after my dad passed. He said, that letter, that letter changed my life. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, friends, how many of you just need a letter? Need a text from somebody that breathes life into your very bones? And how many of you are withholding that letter, that text message from someone that needs it? 
What would the course of Pine Lake, Sammamish, and the surrounding areas, if we as disciples and apprentices after Jesus spoke the words into life to our friends, to our family, to our children, to our siblings, to our classmates, to our coworkers, to the stranger, if we wrote things that brought life into people that we don't even know that they're struggling with, what would it change for the glory of Christ? Because they would ask the question, why are you the way you are? And you say, because of Christ, who has breathed life into these very dead bones, has now bred life into me. And so I bring that life into you and I don't hold it for myself. How many of us are gluttonous, fat, Christians who hold on to the life for ourselves with ev- without sharing it with one another. What has Christ said to you that you need to share with somebody else? What letter do you need to write? What email do you write? What phone call? What? How many of you need to get on a plane and go see somebody? How many of you just need to go over and knock on a door of somebody that you've hurt and say, I'm sorry? Two words can start the healing process like none other. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Friends, it shouldn't be this way. Let us pray. Father, we come in this moment repentant. Repentant of the words that we've used to take life from our friends, from our brothers and sisters, in Christ and those in the world. You got, I don't know for everybody here, but maybe for myself, is that I need to live fully into this desire not to control things, but allow you to take control of my life and my words so that you can do what I can't. You can do the transformation. And so, God, I give up control. So I don't know anybody here, but maybe, God, that's just one phrase that you want to ask is, will you give up control? Can you give up control of the words that you say, of the actions that you do, and allow me to do the work in your life that transforms you? God, would you come... Would you bring encouraging words of life to us? And may we bring those words to one another. We ask this in your name. Amen. I'm going to invite um, our two students up, uh, Braden and Clark, um, this morning. And I also want to invite all of our kids. If you're a Kairos kids, if you want to come and sit on um, the blue carpets, uh, this is an important moment uh, in the life of our church. And so we want you to see it as well. Uh, because baptism is a public decoration of people who said, I have found and want to follow Jesus. And I need your help to do that. This is not only a time and a moment of confession for them to say that I love Jesus, I'm all in. But it's also a time for you to say you are all in on discipling them as well. This is the moment where we see a visible representation of transformation happening in the lives of people. And so church, we come and encourage you to join in the witnessing of the baptism of Braden and Clark. An opportunity for us as a church to get to know these two students. And so uh, take a look at these videos up above. Hi, my name is Braden Bartholome. I'll be a junior at Skyline High School and I've lived in Sammamish 
for pretty much my whole life. Baptism means to me um, going deeper in my uh, depth and relationship with Jesus and just like being more personal with uh, Jesus. I'm choosing to be baptized right now because last year I went through confirmation and I felt really close to Jesus. And I especially know right now that God has a plan for me through my whole life and that he will always be with me. At this point in my life, I want people to know about the impact that Jesus has had on my life, going to church and being involved in the youth group. Thank you to everyone who's helped me with this journey, especially Larry, as last year I went through confirmation with him and he had a big impact on this. Hi, my name is Clark Homan. I'm going into the seventh grade. Uh, I go to Beaver Lake Middle School. I was born in Glen Ridge, New Jersey. I've lived in Sammamish for 11 years. To me, baptism means a public opportunity to share my faith. I'm choosing to be baptized today because I'm ready to receive God's gift of baptism for me. One thing I want people to know about my relationship with Jesus is that I'm learning that Jesus is for me and loves me no matter what life brings me. Well, church, awesome. You started the tears. I'm going to keep going sorry. today. So it's going to be good. Uh, we have uh, an incredible opportunity to affirm the ways in which God has been at work in the two of your lives. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Braden and Clark, we as a church are so thankful for you, um, for the lives that you have allowed us to share with you, for your families and the ways that uh, we have the privilege to walk alongside you. Um, Braden, specifically, uh, you were going into your sixth grade year when I first met you tossing dodgeballs in that gym like as a little kid and now you're filling out extra large shirts so you're, you're doing okay uh but dude you you have this quiet strength and resilience about you um that that allows other people um to experience the depths of god's love in in a really subtle way um and in the ways that that shows up is a deep conviction of the things that you want to be about and the things that you don't want to be about and um and that's the way that god just exudes his love through you and clark this guy, I was waiting for years. We were waiting for years for this kid to, to finally get into middle school to be able to uh, to see uh, just the ways that God continues to work in his life. Um, you are a gifted, gifted leader. Yeah. Um, not only on the drums, literally playing the drums yeah. out the womb, uh, but on the basketball court, but more importantly with your friends and the people around you. Yeah. Uh, God yeah. has gifted yeah. you with influence. And consistently yeah. you'll be at these crossroads of choosing your, your way or choosing God's way. And we as a church, we as a community hope that you continue to choose yeah. God's way. Yeah. And so this morning, uh, we have uh, some questions that we want to ask you as a church uh, as you take this step in being baptized. So, uh, Braden and Clark, do you now desire to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? If yes, reply, I do. I do. Uh Proclaiming this covenant with Jesus Christ, do you renounce all the powers of evil and declare your opposition to a way of life in contradiction to the gospel? If yes, respond, I do. I do. Do you repent of your sins, confessing Christ as your Savior and Lord, and living as his faithful disciple? If yes, respond, I do. I do. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you do all in your power to... to participate fully in the life of this congregation, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. If yes, respond, I will with God's help. I will with God's help. 
Congregation, now this is our turn, as this is a, an individual act in one way, a public declaration of their faith and belief in Jesus Christ and obedience to the invitation of baptism. And it's also collective. It's about the whole of community, that we are walking with Jesus, we are finding and following Jesus mm. together. And so I am inviting us to come alongside Braden and Clark in a very real and powerful way as we disciple, as we pray for them, as we support them, as we dedicate time and love to continuing to walk with them in their faith. So I have a question for you. Church, will you uphold the privilege and responsibility of discipling Braden and Clark in prayer and action as they continue in their walk with Jesus as members of this community? If so, say, we will with God's help. We will with God's help. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, I thank you for the gift of baptism. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of water and your Holy Spirit that refreshes and renews and restores us to life and brings us into fullness and wholeness with you and with one another. Lord, I pray for Braden and Clark on this day. I pray, God, that you will sustain them with your Holy Spirit. Father, will you give them a courageous and discerning heart all the days of their life? To follow you. I ask for goodness and blessings to be poured out over them, for your life to be poured into their hearts and their souls, Lord Jesus. I pray that you will work deeply in their hearts and in every single crossroads that they come to, that they look and they turn to you and they walk in the fullness of life that you've given them. God, I pray that you will be their guide, that you will bring them hope, bring them vision for their future. Jesus, be all around them, in them, beside them, behind them, as they continue to walk faithfully. May this day be a day that they cherish forever and ever. Thank you, God, that your grace is real and present in these baptismal waters. And now, Lord, you have invited us to enter into this sacred, sacred um, act of obedience and immersion in your spirit at work in water and in our hearts this day. In your name, amen. invite you to sing with us as we as we watch these baptisms together and then as people are baptized feel free to cheer we're going to celebrate this morning as we sing together but we're going to sing these songs to god and over them in their baptism let's sing this if the altar's where you meet us take me there take me there if what you need is just an offering it's right here my life is here and I'll be a living sacrifice for you I'm a fire the refiner God I want to be consumed I want to be tried by fire purified and take whatever you Here's my life. I want to be tried by fire, purified. God, take whatever you desire. Lord, 
here's my light. If your glory wants to come in, let it fall. We want it all. Your fire is consuming. Yeah. Fill this place. Set it ablaze. And I'll be a living sacrifice for you. The refiner Oh, I want to be consumed I want to be tried Fried, fried Amen Pure and fine Take whatever you desire Lord, here's my life I want to be tried Fried, fire.
sing one more song together. We're going to sing What Can Wash Away My Sin. Bridge one. What can wash away my sin? Let's sing this together.
nothing but the blood. 